it's hard to just sit here and not be affected, not be challenged, not be brought to another level. And uh, of 10 years here, all I can tell you is uh, it's been good for us. I, I didn't say it's been easy. <laughs> it's actually been painful at times because anytime God's trying to get you from where you are to where he's called you requires some pain, requires some change. You know, the enemy of greatness is not evil, it's comfortable. <laughs> and God's calling you and I to come into his plan, his intentions, his purposes, and they're great. The calls and purposes of God for your life are great. But the enemy of our destiny is where we are and where we're comfortable. And what I've discovered is in the last 10 years, he's come after my comfort zones. <laughs> and I hope today that he will come after yours as well. So in 10 years, I mean, if I'm going to be discomforted, um, I'd love to share some of that with you. <laughs> but the reason why is because he's good. And he's got big plans for us, personally and corporately. And I personally believe that this campus, God has big, big plans. And uh, I don't think this particular building is our only East Lake campus. I feel like there's more work to be done here. That means there's more leaders that need to be raised up here. You know, you know what God says when, when we sense that we're in harvest time or when we sense God's moving, he says, don't pray for the harvest, pray for the leaders, the laborers, the people that can get to work, the people that can mend nets, Rudy, and, and sew them and build them and clean them and get them ready for the next catch. And God's in the business of catching and converting people into his ambassadors. And this is a campus, a critical campus where God is doing massive things. And so would anybody like to be a part of what God's doing in this extraordinary part? California. Me too. Okay, so we're going to get into the Word a little bit, and uh, I have what I believe is a message just for us, just for this season, and just for this campus. Are you ready? Now, I've been studying in the last uh, 30 days um, the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, and um, it's been just turning my world inside out. And, you know, it's the story of, of when, you know, God was bringing the word, the prophetic word back to the church and back to Israel. And we just came out of the rise of the prophets conference. Anybody get a chance to attend that? If you didn't, um, don't miss the next one. Let me tell you something. Uh, but also grab the media card and get caught up. And we were in Salt Lake City last year, so I missed a couple of the, the sessions here, so I'm trying to get caught up on some of the things that were said. But don't fall behind and don't think it's just casual. The kingdom of God is not casual. <laughs> we need to be well awake and well aware and well in tune with what God is saying to us so that we can be effectual and effective. We're not spectators. That's one of the things I love about Awaken is we don't just take up a seat. We actually come here to get to work and get busy and use our gifts and our talents and our abilities, whatever they are. Listen, God's not, it's not like there's the sacred things that you do that, you know, Pastor Mike and Katie are the sacred people and the rest of us, we're just spectators. We get to watch them prophesy, watch them pray, watch. No, no, no. Everything we do is sacred. 
God is in the business of using every one of our gifts, all of our talents, our work, our businesses, um, all of our educators. That's what we teach at Pathfinders, that God raises people up to impact every single sphere of culture. And you and I are a part of something bigger um, than just a church building that meets on a Sunday. You know, we are the church. We're the ones that are salt and light that are created to impact this city. Anybody with me? <laughs> so we're going to be reading out of the book of uh, 1 Samuel 17. Now, obviously, many of us know that's the story of David where he takes down the giant, okay? But we're not even going to get all the way to where he actually takes the giant down. We're just going to lay some foundation and find some principles within that story that are critical for us if we're going to take our place on the battlefield of our lives and our generation and our city, if we um, see some of these and pick some of these up in this scripture, we too can be prepared to, to take our place. Don't you want to get to the end of your days having taken your place? Not missed your shot, not missed your moment, but actually seized it? Listen, listen, when the day of opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Right now is the time for us to hear and be in tune with what God is doing in us so that we can be ready to answer the bell. I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody that it is said about me that I answered the bell in my day. Served the purpose of God in my generation. Come on, anybody with me? Anybody done just checking religious boxes? Saying, I, yeah, I went to church. Check. Back to normal. Back to numb. No, no, this is awaken church. You might come to check a box, but you leave awake and aware and in tune and engaged and revived and revitalized and repurposed. Let's go. So we're going to find a few things here, but we're going to start in one of the famous verses. I'm actually going to read it right out of my Bible. I've just been falling back in love with my Bible. One of the things I love about Awaken is we don't preach the Bible to you. We encourage you to get into this word. This Bible will change your life like it's been changing my life. So I'm going to read out of it, but, but I'm going to start backwards. I'm going to start in verse 29. I'm going to start in the New King James Version because I love this particular translation of verse 29. Can we bring that up real quick? And David said, remember, this is when his brothers were interrogating him. Okay, what are you doing out here? I'm concerned that your motives aren't pure, okay? That's some of what his brothers were questioning why their little brother was out on the battlefield when he should have been back taking care of those few little sheep. David said, well, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And so we're going to talk this morning about cause problems. 
when you determine that your life is more than survival and preservation, Manny, and you start stepping into engagement with why you're actually on the planet. And it doesn't really matter our history and what we've come out of, what we were born into, what we're facing. What matters is when we wake up to the purpose of our cause. But I want you to know something. If you're going to say yes to the cause, there will be some problems. And I'd like to talk about them so that when they come, we'll be ready for them. Listen, I've been here for 10 years. Probably more impassioned and effective in the cause. And I'd like you to be able to stay in the game as well. Don't you want to be after 10 years not discouraged, disheartened, discontented? disconnected from the cause, you started on fire, you started excited, you start, but all of a sudden you got offended. You got, what, there are things that will come that will pull you out of the game and out of the fight. But if we're ready for them, we actually can get sharper through them, better by them, and more effective in the cause. But the cause is going to cause you problems. Are we ready? So we're going to go back to the New Living Translation. That's the version I'm currently in right now in my Bible. And we're going to read the first 28, cha uh, not chapters, Rudy, verses of chapter 27. See, Rudy's always trying to put words in my mouth. Ever since he tried to take me out with that golf ball and missed. Oh, Yeah. You know, I feel really like David being chased by Saul. He was trying to murder me, but he missed me, missed his shot. We're going to pick it up in verse 17. It says, the Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Succah and Judah and Azekah at Ephesdamon. So in other words, they're in Judah. So wait a minute. The Philistines are in Israel territory fighting. So the first thing I want us to understand if we're going to take up a cause is that there are battles we're facing here in California and in the United States that are in our territory. They're in our land. And, you know, I hear this a lot in the church, the woke church especially, where we don't want to be political and stuff. But you see, when you're redefining family and redefining what my kids are learning in schools, you're not political. You're dealing with my ideologies and what I know to be true and right. So honestly... To say that the church should not be political is a cop-out. It's actually an intimidated, fearful misconception of our role in a city. You know what we're supposed to be in the city? Salt and light. A preservative and an illuminator and an influencer of what should be happening in the city. So you, you cannot buy into the argument 
that we're not supposed to have a say. They're in our territory. Determining what a man and a woman is. I mean, determining things. If they would just stay, you know, governing, and but they've crept into our land. Okay? Please understand. Please understand. You cannot disengage from culture. You cannot only focus on heaven and singing worship songs. You were put here to bring truth and to illuminate and to find your cause. Okay. All right. That's verse one. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion of Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He was a very large specimen, intimidating. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds, which is what Rudy uses to curl with. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. What I want us to hear is the enemy was big. He was big and he was intimidating. And he felt impenetrable. He was well covered. And I want us to understand that the hour we're in, the enemy of our territory, the enemy of America, the enemy of California, the, the enemy of everything that we hold near and dear when it pertains to freedoms is big and intimidating. And it looks like he's well covered and would be difficult to defeat. I just want us to know, like, the, the secret to having real, genuine, authentic faith is not saying that our enemy is weak or inability, or unprepared, or, or doesn't have resources, and, and isn't a real enemy. This was a real enemy, and we have a real enemy. And so the secret to faith is not trying to diminish the power that we're up against. L- listen, I, I, I hear, um, I've heard teachings around, like, be careful what you say, and so, like, you get a diagnosis from the doctor that you have cancer, and you're like, I've heard teaching is like, well, don't, don't say that. It's not cancer. No, no, no. It, it's cancer. It's real. It's a valid issue. We just have an authority and a power that can address valid issues, okay? So the secret to faith is not unvalidating the fight or unvalidating. It's actually validating it. It's just not succumbing to the intimidation that a real fight brings, okay? All right, good. Okay, Goliath stood and shouted, boy, oh boy, isn't that the hour we are in? Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. 
Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Other thing that's really important that we pick up here before we get into some of the cause problems is that there are real stakes that are really on the line. That if we don't engage in the battle, we will become servants of the state. Listen, listen, listen. If you really study the life of Billy Graham and one of his greatest crusades of preaching was against socialism and was against communism. He was 100% convinced that socialism and communism was the evil and the end to America. And he was so impassioned, and we don't think of this, we don't, we don't fully study our history so we don't understand um, how to handle where we are today, but please, please, please understand that you cannot preach, you cannot be a person who's advocating for the kingdom of God and disengage from the real enemies that are taunting. And I will say this, there are real stakes on the line. There are real stakes. Trust us, you do not want to be a servant of the state. This is what makes America amazing. The state serves the people. Understand that, understand that. That's what makes America remarkable. We need to be a people that are engaged in the battle of our day. Okay, let's keep moving. We're gonna get to the first cause problem. Is everybody doing okay? He says, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. The commander of the Lord's armies, the commander of Israel, was terrified and deeply shaken. Which brings us to the first cause problem, and it's a courage problem. And if you and I continue to have courage issues, we'll never be able to fulfill the call because the assignment for your life and for my life requires courage. Here's what's sad about Saul, okay, is remember the first command given to Joshua? Be strong and courageous. In fact, he says it twice. I'm going to go back. Let's find that. I, don't, I didn't even ask you guys to bring it up. You can if you want. Uh, Joshua 1. This would be a good part of the Bible to meditate on. Let's just read it real quick. We're going to do some Bible studies. Come on, I know. I know. Amen. We need to be amen in the Bible. This is what will never fade. This world will fade. This word will never fade. But guess what? If we're not people of the word, we'll fade. But if we're people of this word, we'll shine. 
like stars in the universe. Joshua, there you are. Here's what he says, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. But wait a minute, we just read about Saul up against an army where he's terrified and afraid, but the command of God for a leader is be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Repeat this after me. I'm supposed to be strong and courageous. Anything contrary to courage is not for me. Okay, so it's really important that we identify anytime we have courage problems. And I want you to know in the last 10 years, I've had a lot of them. You know, if you really look at the deep-rooted issues of Saul in his day, the thing that created the most courage problems, he had a fear of man. And if I really look back on my own personal life, the greatest things that have sabotaged my destiny and my ability to obey God and my ability to take risks was I feared people's approval. And I want us to know, I think it's something that contaminates culture is that we're living so much for the needs of approval and we fear man. And a lot of times we won't say yes to God because we're afraid of what somebody will think of us. And we're so addicted to the approval of others that we've lost sight of obeying God because it might, anybody with me? So I think for us, it's not enough to just read the Bible and judge the characters. What we need to do in the Bible is find ourselves within the problems of the characters so that we don't reproduce what they were operating in. And you and I are all capable of being cowards. You and I are all capable of cowering under the pressure of the cause of our day if we don't root out and identify what's keeping us from what God has commanded us to be, and that's strong and courageous. Anybody with me? Okay. We might, we might even come back to uh, Joshua. But for now, we're going to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, Rudy. Okay. Everybody doing okay? I'm feeling good. I really like it in here. Did I mention I felt like God was doing something special in this East Lake campus? Feel like he's putting courage in us. Putting a cause in us. Okay. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. Remember, he was the son that wasn't even brought to the prophet. Okay? That's a whole other story, but we might touch on it. Um, David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Get this, for 40 days, every morning 
and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israel, Israelite army. And I want us to understand something about the culture we're in. Every day, morning and night, you are hearing the drumbeat of intimidation and get in line, get in line, get in line. Right now, it's the vaccine. And, and listen, I'm not against, like, you, if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Here's what we're against, that I have to. Or that I'm somehow evil. What we're at, listen, listen, it's the drumbeat. I'm telling you, 40 days and 40 nights. Now, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. The first time you hear it, it's irritating. You're like, something's not right with this. Something seems off. But then you hear it for 40 days and 40 nights, morning and evening, from every source. And what happens is you become dull, which brings us to our next problem. It's called awake problems. When you and I become dull to where crazy ideologies no longer bother us, disrupt us, irritate us, or frustrate us, we've become endangered. The danger of the day is dull. And you and I are hearing it morning and night from every source. And they're very, very good. You know there's been more money spent on marketing the vaccine than actually on researching whether it's healthy for us. There's a purpose that's happening in our day and in our hour that if we're not careful, listen, hear me again. We're not against whether or not you can have it. What we are against is forcing people to fall in line. So morning and night, morning and night, morning and night, becoming dulled to the issues. Well, let's go back. What did God command Joshua? Let's read it. Joshua 2. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction or the book of the word or the Bible continually. Meditate on it day and night. So interesting, the antidote for dull is getting back to us studying God's word day and night. Please understand, the enemy is coming. He wants to indoctrinate you with fear, with intimidation. This is, this is a strategy. And if you and I are dull to the strategies of our day, we will be incapable of engaging in the sharpness and the clarity and the power we need to fulfill our cause. Let me say this, if you and I are dull, it is impossible for us to fulfill our destiny. I discovered after this last election, I was so tired of just the craziness and the chaos. I just needed to get away from it. Anybody with me? Wasn't it, wasn't it just, it, it was just so 
frustrating and I feel like everything was a fight and everything. And here's the problem though. I think we all needed a rest. The problem is, is I moved a little bit too far into rest where I was becoming dull and I was becoming entertained. You know, there's a lot of opportunities out there to entertain. They're not all evil. They're not all bad. Some of them will just dull you. I was playing this game called Clash Royale that my 14-year-old got me into. And it's a good game. The problem is we started playing it together. But then I found myself 45 minutes into a bathroom break where my feet have gotten numb. And I'm like seven levels above my 14-year-old son. Dulled. When you're dull, you get disconnected. And so I've had to move away from some of the things that were causing me to be dull and get back to some of the things that caused me to stay alert. So if I could ask you today, are you awake? Like, because if you're not, you, the drumbeat will get you because it's morning and night. And the problem is, even though I wasn't intentionally listening to the drumbeat, but because I was just being dull and medicating on things, because I was tired, I was frustrated, I, I just didn't really want to fight. I don't know about you, but I don't like love fighting. I like peace. But when it's the hour to fight, you can't love peace, because peace only comes after the fight. And what I discovered is a lot of us, a lot of us are being dulled by entertainment. Not even bad things, okay? Whatever is keeping you, though, from being an awake is a problem. Let's be a church that gets back to basics. Listen, listen. I love awake church, but we're a busy church. We do conferences. We just released an album, an epic album, by the way, um, which I know this campus had a lot to do with. And... Uh, but can I be honest? The secret to being awake is basics. Getting back to basics. Getting back to men's prayer. This Tuesday at men's prayer. Let's get back to basics. That's where you stay sharp. You can't just be sharp for a month after the Emerge Conference. We have to be people that stay sharp, stay engaged. Our pathways, our connect groups, Here's the challenge. When we start to get a little bit of victory, we can start to go back to comforts that aren't like evil, but they're dulling. You and I need to be sharper in this season. Anybody with me? This all right? Okay. I'm going to try to speed up. Because there's five letters in the word cause, and we're only through the awake problem and the courage problem. The next problem that David had was the underdog problem. And you and I, here's the challenge is, remember his brothers never saw him as what he could be. And this is the problem with underdogs. Now, they, underdogs make great movies. Underdogs are great stories and they're fun to follow. But when you've lived your life 
as an underdog. You have internal battles in your head where you've been told you're not good enough and you don't measure up. And what are you even doing here? And your motives are wrong. And you're constantly fighting the perception of others about you. But we need to be people that overcome the underdog problem. Every one of us does. Every one of us has an issue within us that questions whether we're capable of taking down what's in front of us. Every one of us. And the answer, okay, is to go back to him who called us and say, what have you said about me and what have you called me to? Because I can be honest with you, every one of us are underdogs, except we've been called by him who likes to use underdogs to take down enemies. We happen to serve a God who actually enjoys taking down evil with little old us. Us in the hands of him actually can take down anything. But we need to make sure we're not subjecting ourselves to underdog problems. The next problem that surfaces often is security problems. Well, what's a security problem? It looks a lot like insecurity. Anybody ever wrestled with insecurity? I think insecurity is the epidemic of our day. Nothing, listen, nothing will keep you from being a man or a woman used mightily for God like insecurity. Nothing will take you down like insecurity, but nothing, listen, and I don't just mean preaching. I mean, our son right now is going on Thursday, at least for the national championships in soccer. Okay, as a dad, the greatest thing that I've prayed for him is that he would have confidence. Confidence for every battle. His battle happens to be between the chalk lines of a field. Where's your battle? Because it is impossible for you to show up and bring the results that God has scripted for your life if you have security problems. You cannot stay insecure. One of the things I love about Awaken Church is we go to the root. We're not afraid to be authentic about the issues we're facing and the struggles we have, but we also preach a gospel that says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the insecure say, I have found my confidence. Anybody with me? Listen, listen, let me ask you this question. What could you do with a high level of confidence? Because it's impossible for you to realize what God has scripted for your life without confidence. What could you do if God began to rebuild your confidence quotient? What does a confident you look like? What kind of job does a confident you have? What kind of relationships, what kind of parent are you if you're confident? Have your kids ever wore you down? <laughs> Sometimes I feel like they're the ones ruling the house. You know what I mean? And you know what's funny is when I'm a great parent is when I'm a confident one. Not when I'm an insecure one. There's not one thing that you're responsible to do in this life that doesn't require confidence. Well, why don't we let God rebuild who we are in the most critical 
area of our life. And then finally, the E problem in cause that Saul had was an expectation problem. He actually did not expect that if he stepped onto the field of battle that he would win. Listen to us. If you will engage with God and take up your cause, he will make you victorious. You're created to win. You're created to succeed. You're not put on this planet to fail. Although you may have some disappointments and some setbacks, David had a different expectation. This is what he said. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not just in the sweet by and by, brother. Not just one day when we get to heaven, everything's going to be just fine up there. No, no, no. The thing that was different about David was that he expected, he expected that if he obeyed God, he would see God results. If there was an enemy in his way and he, he, he obeyed God in his role and his cause to do something about it, that God would back him up. Saul's expectation problem was that God wasn't engaged in the culture of the day. And the problem is, for 20 years, God hadn't done a whole lot. And, and I think we're in a time right now where religion is all just that, just religion. But God is reviving his activity where he's re-engaged in culture. Listen, it wasn't 250 years ago that the national motto, the national motto became, In God We Trust. You know, that happened in 1957. In other words, we were almost 200 years into our existence as a country, and we were going through a dark season, okay? But there became, again, preachers like Billy Graham, who began to call out the evil of its day and bring America back to its cause, its purpose, in fi its fight. But it was 60, 65, 64 years ago that there was a massive awakening in this nation that brought us back to some of our best days. And I'm gonna tell us this, if you think, if your expectation is our best days are behind us or your best days are behind you, guess what? You're right. Unfortunately, you get what you expect. But if you will engage God and let him onto the pages of your future and your today, and you expect that if you engage the causes of your family and your business and your industry and your city, and you will engage and you expect that God will bring an outcome that benefits the culture you're set in, the family you're in, every place you go, if you expect God, guess what? You're right. 